Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk and if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content alright can we just get on with this now please filmbusters right Adam I think the whole of our podcasting family needs to know what your story is about being on a boat in Nuki I mean it was the worst experience of my life I don't know if anyone suffers here from seasickness um (laughs) Does anyone suffer from seasickness? <laughs> well, I mean, people... I, I knew that I, I'm not the best on these modes of transport. And before we went out, I said to the lady, number one, have you got any seasickness tablets? And she said, you're too late, mate. You take them, like, six, seven hours. Oh, beforehand. no. <laughs> and, um, and she said, also, today it's quite calm. Um... She fucked so you, Yeah, she did. You'll be okay. And it was a calm day. It was, there was no wind in the air. There wasn't, like, it was a bit sunny. And she was like, yeah, you'll be fine. Like, and we got out there. And it was a bit rocky at the beginning, but I was like, this is okay. Like, I can do this. And then we saw some dolphins. And they were like, Aww. and there was like a pool of like, birds and stuff. And then there must have been like some fish underneath it. And there's a couple of dolphins, like, taking the fish. And so with the birds and all of that kind of shit. And, um, the guy slowed down the boat to look at it and as soon as he slowed that I was this ain't fun this is is gone it was churning you up and then yeah and then we stopped to do some deep sea fishing we're meant to be out there for four hours deep sea fishing so we went like a good 45 minutes or half an hour out into the sea oh no so you knew you had to have a a long journey back (laughs) see the thing is when you're moving it was okay and then as soon as we stopped I was just like and then Luke, who's one of the patrons, started throwing up. He was the first to go. I don't know how that kid survived. Oh, like, boy. He was fucked. And then another one of my mates, Tamim, he threw up at the beginning. The both of them were like asleep afterwards. They were like, the only way I can get through this is if I'm asleep. Like, yeah. Um, and then Francis went, who's another one of our patrons. Uh, and then, yeah, I was the last person to throw up. There was six, there was 10 of us on the trip. Six of us throw up. Two of them were on Look at those odds. the verge yeah. of going. And then one person was like, I was okay and fainted. And then one person was like, just completely fine at all. Like, it was just, we had to come back early. It was just horrible. Was the, um, imagine, man. Was the captain laughing at you? Yeah, I think he gets, oh, he said he gets it all the time. He says, like, you very rarely get a trip, a group of people that actually complete the four hours. They're fucking laughing at us. Being like, yeah, you mugs have paid for the four hours. Yeah, hey, you're only yeah. gonna do. I think we're out there for two and a bit. That's including. I like think he hour. knows how to churn people up, and he does it on purpose. That's it. <laughs> well, it's just you're in the sea, and the boat's not massive. Like it was, a, it was an old lifeboat or something like that, and like it had like a little hut for the captain to go into, 
and then mm. everyone else just sits outside around the edge of the boat like yeah it was like a pace across or like five paces up like it was not a big boat and yeah it was awful and i was just like it's every time i've been on a boat before and i've been seasick it's like one time i've thrown it up and they're normally bigger boats so you get mm. it out and then you're kind of like oh it's stables it's like a patch it was just like constant man and also it goes to the point of the uh, disclose a lot of information where you've thrown up all the food in your belly but you'll keep throwing up so you're just throwing up acid lovely it's so oh. disgusting it's like green just... so i was drinking water to try and like dilute it and try and have something to come <laughs> back up with oh, but it was just and then like was there a that... toilet on the boat by the way there was but it was tiny and i was also like covered in sick well no no you don't go <laughs> you don't go in there he said like just go over the ball just go over the side of the thing we caught is that so what he many... said yeah of course just piss off the side of the boat not piss like throw up Oh, all right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to the. T- I was like, I would, at one point I did need to go to the wee, and I was just like, I can't think anything worse. The only thing that was saving me was looking at the horizon, and they said if you look at the horizon, it helps you focus. God, that's and a very did. boring thing to do for a long time. Though, isn't it? it was. I was just staring, and then as soon as I stopped, turned away, I'd like start to feel really sick again. And if I went back, it was kind of okay. And I was thinking, if you're in that cabin, just people throwing you around, it must that would be even worse. Like, oh, mate. Did you? How long did it take you to find your legs afterwards? About a minute or two. Uh. For the rest of the next like three or four hours, I just felt really hungover. If that makes I'm sure sense. Sure, you all did. Like you don't feel sick anymore, but your belly is just so churned up. Do you know when you've woken yeah. up and you've thrown up all morning and yeah, you sit yeah. back and you're just like, you need. You took a bit of food to settle it, and then even then. And then... Did you um, have any dinner that night? Did you even want to have any dinner? Um, yeah, we had dinner. I had lunch and then I had dinner and like you have to have stuff to settle it down. Yeah. Jesus. What I've got, got to say that if 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 I was on that boat, I feel like nowadays especially, I probably would end up being one of those people being sick as well. Because for some, for some reason, like the past the past few months, I've been getting car sickness. Oh, if really? I'm not driving the car, if I'm the passenger, yeah, mm. I'm not great. In it. I'm a, I can do I, car I journeys, but like, I can't. If I was spending hours on my phone on a car journey, that's will that will fuck me up. That's what does it. Yeah. yeah. If I'm sitting it. there looking out the mm. window, I'm normally okay. I really well, probably won't go backwards on a train, like all of that mm. kind of stuff. But yeah, you don't go backwards on a train. I can't. I can almost on the, the, the underground. I can, or if it's like a short journey, I would. But like coming back from Newquay, it's like four hours on the train. It's like a five and a half gouger, and it was like, nah, I'm not going backwards on that. Interesting. Mm. I've never felt that before. It's normally yeah, when I'm, if especially if I'm looking at my phone during a car journey, yeah. that's what does me up. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's because you're focused on a very small area, but in your periphery, you've got the outside speeding by. Yeah. So your mm. eye. Is... If you're this confusion between your brain in it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's why birds can't uh, use their phone when they're flying. <laughs> they crash, you know. They crash. What you meant, women? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not, I was thinking, what's I'm this, not from the seventies. Joke. This weird joke. <laughs> this is why birds can't use their phones. Yeah, I've turned into a British geezer in honour of <laughs> King Charles. God save the king. God save the king. God save the king. God save the king. I was just going to say, is anyone doing anything with the coronation? Uh, not really. Uh, no, not. Aren't you, no. aren't you going to bake a cake and s- say God save the king? You got? Are you going to pledge your allegiance? No. 
Are you? Nope. It's Paul. Well, you, you, no, I'm you, not. Are you going to watch any of it? Probably not. No. I might no. flick it on in passing interest just to see what he looks like and then turn it off again. <laughs> I don't even think I'll go that far. I just want to see what he looks like. I want to see what dress he's wearing. His new carriage that he's got. Yeah. It's not a new one, is it? It's an old one, isn't it? No, they, they're they not using the old new one. Carriage. He's got a new carriage, yes. Because it was fitted for his, his mother's specifications. Well, this is he needs a new one because, obviously, carriages are, are built around a person. So <laughs> It's outrageous. <laughs> it's it's outrageous. like a coffin. You need, you need to be, like in, in a break morant, you need to the, the right size coffin, otherwise your legs are going to stick out. Yes. <laughs> anyway, the long story is don't go deep sea fishing. No, you can definitely really not. Try and stomach it. I told my dad about this, and he was like, "Yeah, I did it ages ago. We went out on a thing, we did the same thing, and I was like horribly sick." And he said the worst thing I did is about 15, 16 years later, was with his mates, and they wanted to do the same thing, and he went, "Ah, fuck it. It's been 16 years. I can't be that bad anymore. Like I've been on boats again since." And he was just like, "Nope, doesn't change. Doesn't go away." <laughs> no. And it is the, it's the, it's the thing. It has to be really choppy on a normal boat for me to like throw up. But it's the just you're bobbing. It is just constant, and it's the, like the waves. Yeah. You're going up and down, bigger than the boat is. Like mm. that's my fear of going on like a a, uh, a what's it called a cruise. Why have you just felt seasick the whole time? Yeah. See, I think you'd have to take a lot on a cruise ship for you to feel because they're so big. <laughs> I do remember getting the ferry over from Amsterdam about ten years ago, and feeling outside in the middle of the night having a cigarette getting whipped around by the wind and everything really bobbing it was and feeling very sick but I think that might have had a lot more to do with smoking a cigarette yeah, in that situation yeah it's just there is just the worst thing about it is there's no escape once you've gone there was on that boat there was just nothing yeah like yeah you just got to ride it out I hear you you just got to get back to land as quick as possible well Sorry for your loss of your stomach. Yeah, I know. Adam. Fucking 40 quid I'll never get back. I stayed with Luke the whole time. I was like, there's literally a golf course next door. We can see it. It's fucking 40 quid around. Why the fuck did we not just send these mugs away on the boat? And we gone on play. I told you to go surfing, mate. You're a Nuki. That was the perfect time. Well, the waves weren't actually that big in Nuki. That's why we didn't really do it in the end. They didn't have... There wasn't a great week. would have been a laugh, though, wouldn't it? Better than being sick. Well, this California boy over here recommending surfing and skateboarding around. People... Fucking Nuki, mate. It's the home of surfing. UK surfing or something. I got no interest in surfing. How many people get seasick surfing? Yeah, I I don't think it would have been, mate. Also, the idea of surfing is I've swallowed so much salt water and that would probably make me just as sick. Close your mouth. That's the way. Yeah, you probably when you're falling over, you're going, ah, you can't close your mouth. The only thing that could have made your experience worse (laughs) is if a great white came along. Oh God! I don't know. Could have been. It, there, was, it, there was dolphins around. If it was, if it mm. went on for much longer, and the only option was to jump in the sea with a shark to stop you feeling sick, or staying on that boat, I'd have probably taken <laughs> my chances with the shark. That sounds like absolute hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you even contemplate that. I was anyway, like, six of us. Was... They can't eat all of us. They go for the big fat one first, and I'll be alright. <laughs> no, they go. They go for the skinny one because they want the toothpick. <laughs> yeah, you know it. That was some fine preamble that was some fine preamble should we move on to somewhat talking about films we yes. better because I've got, a den- I've got to go to the dentist oh yeah you have right uh, so 
Just before we move on to talk about French Connection, which is our filmer today, picked by our lovely patron Nerdvert. Yep. Let's talk about our patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters, where you can get exclusive episodes on our patron. You can come on the show. You can pick films for us to do just like Nerdvert has done today with French Connection. Or you could just become part of the beautiful family and just absolutely love it because we will love you as well. That's, that's, it's all love. It's all love on the patron. Um, Adam, what are we doing on the patron today? We are talking about our favourite films of the, the April is what we're talking about. The April. The April. The April. Yeah, the April. Mm. yeah we are talking a about our favourite. top three, bottom, bottom worst. Yep. Um, and Paul's actually going to do it this time. He's not going to cheat. So anyone who knows that is cheating before, he has come around to not be a cheating bastard. I'm no longer a cheater. Yeah. I'm very sorry. I've I've uh, rectified my ways. Yes. And I apologise. Um, so should we move on somewhat in talking about the French Connection Day suggested by our wonderful patron Nerdrovert and talk about the quiz surrounding French Connection Adam yes you ready for your quiz I think so you want to explain the rules I am yeah, going to answer these guys two questions if they get the question right I'm just getting on my questions if they get the question right they get the point if they get the question wrong I get the point it currently stands on me and Paul have 10 points and Ben has 8 points are you mm. ready? I'm ready. Hope so. Question number one. I actually probably can't get a point out of this because it's a yes or no one, so I'm going to let you... Unless you two go for the same <laughs> yes answer. Yes or no. Yes or no question. Well, listen, <laughs> I'll explain the question, but there is a chance that I can't really get a point out of this, but I'm doing it for fun anyway. Okay. Which film is rated higher on Letterboxd? The French Connection... Or the French Dispatch. Yes or no does not answer this well, question. You know what I mean. <laughs> Pick your film. Which one's rated higher, the French Dispatch or the French Connection? I'm going to say the French, French dispatch. dispatch, even though it should probably be Connection. Are you both going with French Dispatch? Yeah. So yes. if it's French Connection, I get the points. So we yeah. can do it that way. Uh, yes. You are both wrong. It is the French Connection. No, well, I thought you were wrong. That was the best way for it to happen. It's a yeah. 3.9, <laughs> uh, and the French Dispatch has a 3.7. Well, that's bullshit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen The French Dispatch but I've got no intention of seeing it I saw it and it's definitely worse than this film yeah yes, well there you go mm. um, okay question number two where in the car are the drugs hidden in the in the rocker side panels. panels yeah yeah Paul gets the point for that because he actually said the correct yes. answer rocker well, you have panels. to say rocker panels because he specifically says the rocker panels Oh, okay, fine, boys. Because I stripped the whole car but the rocker panels. There you go. It's a good oh, impression. You said love, you couldn't do impressions earlier. <laughs> a little off the whim, that's probably why I didn't overthink it. I love that he actually he actually brought up the rocker panels. It's like, well, maybe you should have done the rocker panels, mate. Yeah. Why are you saying that specifically? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to store stuff in a car as well by the looks of it. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 11, Very good. 11, good questions. Both of you on 11, and I'm on 8. Mm. We're tearing away. I'm languishing at Just the like Gene Hackman. Yes. In our, in our car. Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about French Connection? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about sex, baby. Jimmy, come hey, on, Jimmy, Jimmy. I'm in bus, man. I want to bust. I want to bust. Don't. Let me talk oh, to him. Let me talk to him. You got a friend here, buddy. You got a friend. You're going to tell us who your man is? When's the last time you picked the feet, Willie? Who's your connection, Willie? What's his name? What? Hey, 
No, no, man, no. Hey, no. Is it Joe the Barber? Joe the Barber, right? No. That's who it is, isn't it? Now, don't give us any shit. What's Joe's last name? I don't know, man. Give me, give me, give me. Give me. Hell, I know. There's a 125th Street, man. About the barbershop. What side of the street do you live on? North or south? North or south? I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know. I'm asking south. you what side of the street he lives on. Hey, shithead. When's the last time you picked your feet? Huh? Yeah, what's he talking about? I've got a man in Poughkeepsie who wants to talk to you. You ever been in Poughkeepsie? Huh? Have you ever been Poughkeepsie? Hey, man, come on, give me a break. Hey, I don't know what you're on, talking about. Let me hear you say it. Come on. Have you ever been Poughkeepsie? You've been in Poughkeepsie, haven't you? No. I want to hear it. Come on. Yes, yes, I've, I've been. You've been there, right? Yeah, yeah. You sat on the edge of the bed, didn't you? You took off your shoes, put your finger between your toes and picked your feet, didn't you? That's it. Yes. Right, everyone, today we're doing The French Connection from 1971 by William Friedkin. This is a spoiler episode, so if you've not seen the film, we're going to spoil it terribly for you. So, you better go watch it, or come back, and you can enjoy everything in its full way it should be. With all the spoilers. Whatever that meant. <laughs> no, whatever that meant. <laughs> we've got some people who have been in films we've done before on the podcast. Do you know who they are? Well, William Friedkin, we've done his films before. This is his third film we've done. What are the other two? We did um, Bug. Sorcerer, was that a freaking film? Yes. Yeah, one each, well done. Very good. Yeah, correct. Who's the other person? Uh, Roy Scheider, because he was in Sorcerer. Yes. Yes. And one other film. This what, Roy Scheider was well. in, a, in another film we've done? Yeah. Oh, uh, Jaws 2. Correct. Okay, there you man. go. Jaws 2. Beauty. That's all the films. <sighs> Jaws there you 2 go. is Adam. a banger. Yes. Yeah. Adam, plot of this film. What is it? Drugs. Drug smuggling. Yeah. Police tracking down drug smugglers who are French from Marseille. Uh, and they're trying to smuggle heroin into the America. And the police are like, you can't do that. And they track them down. And then they shoot at each other. And then there's some car chases. Just spoilers all over the place, Adam. Spoiling <laughs> this film terribly. What? Because people get shot at and there's some car chases. <laughs> yes. Okay. The most famous car chase in the world. Is it? Yeah. Isn't it Bullet the f- most famous? Oh, well. I think that I, I would honestly think the Blues Brothers would be up there. It, uh, well, it, le- well, let me get do my backstory bit because I'll touch on that. So, okay. The French Connection was based on Robin Moore's 1969 book about a seizure of 246 pounds of heroin that was smuggled via a car on a French ocean liner, as Adam says, from Marseille to America. It was loosely based on the real-life narcotics detectives Eddie Egan and Sonny Grosso, who were translated into Popeye Doyle and Cloudy Russo in this. At the 44th Academy Awards, the film earned eight nominations and won five Oscars for Best Picture, Best Actor, which went to Hackman, Best Director, Best Film Editing, and Best Adapted Screenplay. It was known at the time for having the greatest car chase sequence in film history because it was a one-shot take from within the car with a crazy driver who had come off the set of Bullet. The stunt driver from Bullet was used to film it. Connection. And... He had a conversation with Freakin, and Freakin said, we've got no permission, we only get one shot at this, there's no retakes, it, you need to push this to the max. And the guy was like, if you have the balls to get in a car with me and film it, I'll take you to hell and back. So everything that you saw from within that car was That's all pretty fun, actually. Was it shot with Freakin in it? 
then? Freakin, Freakin was in, in, in the car, there was a cameraman in the car, and then there was the stunt driver, and the car crash that you see when it crashes into another car, that was just someone's car that they oh, smashed fuck. into. Yeah. By all accounts, it sounds very fucking dangerous and, and, and very dangerous. highly irresponsible. Um, yes, very. Actually, that sounds... Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, freaking says that the film's documentary-like realism was the de- direct uh, result of having seen a bunch of French films by a guy called Costa Gra- uh, Gavras, and he decided that what he wanted to do was take the documentary aesthetic and apply it to this film so that it looked like the camera didn't ever know where the actors were going to turn or look from one moment to another. And in fact, when rehearsing for the film, he would have the camera crew and the actors rehearse separately so that when they started filming a scene, the camera crew didn't know where the actors were going to go. So that it gave it that sort of aesthetic. Um, and freaking also had problems Weird. with most of the casting. He was very strongly opposed to uh, Gene Hackman for the lead. Didn't think that he'd be good. And they clashed on set many times, as you could probably imagine. Um, and he also, the character who played, I don't know what the guy is called in the film. I forgot what he's called. But you know the big French boss with the beard. That guy was cast completely accidentally because he actually wanted this French actor that he'd seen in a film and he told his production people, go and get that French actor and they <clears throat> they got the wrong one. They picked up the wrong person and uh, he just cast him anyway. <laughs> How'd you pick the wrong person up? I know. <laughs> They're just like, well, which guy? That guy? Uh, no, that one over there. Okay, you, come be in this movie. <laughs> Are you French? <laughs> and he wasn't. He was Spanish. And he turned up and he said to Freaking, I don't speak French. And Freaking was like, uh, well, we use you anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? It's true. Why don't they just go get the real guy? I know. You, you drink. I think it's because they flew him in. Because he met him. Oh, uh, right. Freaking was waiting for him at the airport. And he didn't recognize this guy. Didn't see the guy. He's like, where is this guy? And then he got paged and he went over. And the guy was like, yeah, I'm here for your movie. Because like you are not the guy. I love, I love the thought of this French guy standing in the airport, like I don't know where they are. They uh, <laughs> never came and got me. Brilliant. Very. He's brilliant. still waiting there to this day. Yeah. And also, here's, here's just a little bit of interesting trivia. This was one of the first films to show the World Trade Center. Hmm. One of the first. Yeah. Mm, I don't know okay. when the World Trade Center was built, but I certainly know when well, it was built. in the 70s then. Well, late 60s. Okay, interesting. Well, this is uh, Nerdvert's pick. Thanks, Nerdvert, for tacking on the end of our 1971 round. Adam, it's your chance to tell us what all you want to do our first impressions in. Uh, we'll just do Film Busters. You want Film Busters? We're yeah. Film Busters. Let's have it. Okay, I'll give you Film Busters. So that's me first. So, um, overall, uh, it's a pretty good down-the-line cat-and-mouse detective thriller, really. It's, it's with everything you, you'd normally expect, from, like, wiretaps, wire sting operations, loads, loads of stakeouts. I mean, loads and loads of stakeouts and following potential criminals. And it's just pretty a pretty solid version of exactly what you'd expect if you were to describe something of, of that nature. Yeah. But it's also really outdated with its language. Mm-hmm. Constantly feels like they're picking on no- minorities just just because. <laughs> mm. And the actual the actual premise isn't really that engrossing. But its biggest flaw is it doesn't have a likable lead. He's just a big old racist pig 
who has like naked women plots all over his wall in his apartment. And I don't like him in the slightest. And that kind of detracts me from actually truly caring about what he's actually doing or wanting him to succeed. And it, I guess it can kind of, it kind of is the point of it because I think it's maybe kind of what it's saying in the end when the big altercation at the end with the the, the fellow officer who he kills. But I just don't like him. Uh, Roy, Roy Shard is all right, though. And I guess it's it's nice doing a Christmas film in May. <laughs> a Christmas film. <laughs> we talk about Riders of Justice. It's a Christmas, That's a Christmas film, film. Isn't it? it is. I'm afraid these There's are a lot not of Christmas, Christmas films. In this. <laughs> he just dresses up as Santa Claus. And there's Christmas stuff in the background. Always. We did, um, what'd you call it? What was that film we did recently that was a Christmas film? Wait, um, what's the first film we did in 1971? Oh, Waking Friday. Yeah, that was a Christmas film. It's true. Yeah, is, that, it was, is that the yeah. writing theme? Is it Christmas in all these films? Uh, Potentially. It's I can't always remember. Christmas. Christmas it wasn't Christmas day. in, in uh, Clockwork Orange, that's for sure. There was no, no Christmas. It wasn't. No, no. Or THX, there was nothing in that film. No, there was no Christmas in Jewel. Uh, true. We just started true. and ended with Christmas films, though. <laughs> Big Christmas <laughs> sandwich. At least we did that. Yeah. A non-Christmas film Christmas sandwich. Yep. <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with Paul. It's, it's very run-of-the-mill, very standard kind of... It's good, it's engaging, it's... I'm not saying it's bad, but it is just your textbook cat and mouse cop chasing druggies. Bad. Like at the time, I can imagine again, it's incredible. But you, after a while, you start to see these films a lot. It kind of holds up, but yeah, like Paul says, it's dated at the same time. There is a lot of things in this film that you're like, okay, it feels like very much of its time. But yeah, appreciate it. It's fun. It's yeah, but it doesn't blow my socks off. Blow your socks off, no. It didn't blow my socks off either. In fact, I liked it less than the only other time that I'd watched it the first time. The first time I, I quite rated it. This time I, I didn't have much patience with it, to be honest with you, because it, like you say, it feels... I feel like it's Freakin's mistake with that whole documentary aesthetic, because that, that makes it unique in a way, but it also doesn't make it all that engaging. And when the story itself... Because like, I was halfway into the film and I'm thinking... All this just because they might be smuggling some drugs in, that's not a very exciting central premise. Like, maybe in the real world... It was world, like racial stereotyping, in a way. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he does do that. And and mm. Hackman apparently clashed with uh, Freakin because he didn't like saying some of the racist language that he had to say as well. But Freakin was like, look, this is how this these cops were. That it's just part, part and parcel of, of the job, which may be true. And that's the thing. It's not a very interesting central concept it is shot in that documentary way where we're seeing the realism of how those things might go but that doesn't necessarily make it engaging coupled with the fact that he isn't a very likable person that's all kind of off-putting but the thing that's interesting about it is having someone who is like that be kind of the the hero of the piece be someone who you ask can you identify with but it's different to someone like tony soprano for example who is this guy really tony soprano is that guy just on the other side of the wall but we get into his mindset we understand why he is the way he is we still empathize with him we still see the humanity you never see the humanity of hackman's no. character um but because of how the film ends it's kind of like at the end going yeah, but see, he isn't just that's a hero. Point. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. Look, at, look at how 
he is. And I think it's something, Freakin just likes these stories about like the dark heart of man, from whether it's the exorcist or sorcerer or whatever. It's always like mm. plumbing some real dark side of the soul shit. And I think Popeye mm. Doyle's character is this dark side of the, the soul character. But in a police force, and in this day and age, given everything that's happened, it's very yeah. hard to, to watch uh, characters like this. But I got to say, because of how it is filmed, when you have a moment like him stalking him on the train, trying to get on and off when the other guy's getting off, and when you have that mm-hmm. car chase, they become even more engaging because you believe in the world that they've created. So it's it feels much more exciting in those moments mm. they're just few and far between uh yeah and roy scheider was the one that i really cared for yeah i agree yeah roy scheider he was all right yeah he, he felt like he was always trying to make popeye do the the right thing he was stopping him from i don't i don't know whether it was a good cop bad thing at the, like the first time we see them mm. he's like beating on some guy who they just found in a bar mm. and roy scheider almost seems like stop it stop it like mm. we need to ask some questions even though he but got he slashed just, yeah yes yeah exactly yeah um that that's i gotta say yeah that that scene on the train best part of the film well when he's getting when on the, and off. when when he's getting on and off it, yeah. it, i feel like oh this is this is interesting now like you can mm-hmm. see they're playing with each other playing with, they know they know each, what each other are doing yeah I, I think popeye was thought that he was cleverer than he was i don't think he's i don't think they were very clever at being detectives <laughs> No, they weren't. I guess it what made no. it realistic, though. Yeah, yeah. They 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 were very clumsy, very clumsy. They were clumsy. They, they kept spotting them all the time. Yeah, and also <laughs> when they were staking um, the Italian guy out, when they trailed him from the club, they were literally just standing across the way from his shop, just standing mm. there, mm. eating yeah. and drinking shit coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even- I kind of like that that balance of of these like. They're eating all very opulently and, and having like lovely fine line of meals and they're out there eating just a slice of pizza and a bit of tissue. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's always like though, isn't it? Mm, mm. I mean, th- that's the thing. And I think that's what why people probably rave about it so much because I do feel like this is really heralded as a, an incredible film. Um, and I think it's because maybe at the time particularly you weren't seeing a police procedural quite in this way, maybe. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think what would have come before it. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it was warts and all so it wasn't just showing very clean cut guys and that's the thing even though you can criticise Hackman's character for being this terrible person that's kind of what we want to see isn't it we don't just want to see a hero cop yeah. it, it, but it didn't I don't know something didn't make it interesting it's not like this is a yeah. bad guy and that's interesting it's like yeah he's just a piece of shit really mm. but I think that that is it I think you got to get that balance right. Of if you've got a bad guy, you've got to have a, a really good case, like that you're investing as well, because you mm-hmm. want to see his his personality play out through the the lens of this yeah. great case as well. Whereas if it's a nice guy, or like a real cool guy that you can follow, it's like well, it's fine. I can as I'm enjoying his character along the way. Yeah, but I don't know. There's something the balance wasn't right in this. I don't think. No, and. Hackman is a fucking wonderful actor, and he he plays the role well. You believe that character? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I would never think of him. I, I would not think of this as one of his iconic performances. 
it's it's quite it's mm. almost quite a forgettable film in certain ways like you will always probably remember the car chase and you'll always remember mm. the the train bit like the cat and mouse bits and certain things mm. like that but because the film is largely like you said stakeouts and the the what we call us maybe class of the boring side of police work but at the time and also sometimes it is quite fascinating but it just mm. doesn't stick with you yeah you know maybe it was just what audiences wanted at that time because I watched I know you've seen it Paul or you didn't care for it either The Conversation another Gene mm-hmm. Hackman film a few days ago mm. and the same kind of thing different style of film but it's just so detailed in in the record the covert recording process of spying on someone tapping tapping someone's phone and, and all of that mm. and it's just so lengthy and drawn out and focused on the minutia and the detail of mm. what goes into that to the point where audiences must have been lapping it up and yeah. we watch it now maybe we're conditioned now to expect that's the thing more like we know it's kind of like yeah we know all that now we know that we know yeah. this happens we know what goes into that we've seen television shows that have gone into it bombastically and in greater detail like I never watched The Wire but I guess there's a lot of crossover between the, this film and something like The Wire where modern audiences are like well The Wire did it better mm. like I guess it, it it might have like laid the blueprints for what these kind of films are Yeah. but because because of how it's kind of dated I can't look fondly on it mm-hmm. it, just, it kind of sours it a little bit so yeah. Like I, I'm not saying like it is it is kind of interesting I mean it, it, it I don't is, think the case is. is that interesting at the same time though it's that case that's the thing it's like why I mean it was a true story okay fine you want to tell the true story mm. that's why you focused in on this but you could have had these characters and this film but changed what it was you could just by making it a murder that's already the stakes are higher. There's more at stake. Yeah. Because yeah. when it's drugs, you know there's one of two things. One, they're going to get away with it. Or two, they're going to catch them for the mm-hmm. drugs. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've got murder or something else, there's a risk of people yeah. dying. And people do die in this, but there's more of a risk, more tangible risk. Um, but that's not what Freaking was going for, clearly. And it's found its audience. Like, uh, Nerd Revert gives it a nine, right? So he, he really fucking rates it. And a lot yeah, of people do. Yeah. A lot of people do. I can get why you people do. Like, it is a good film at the heart. It's just how much you engage and you care about what's actually going on. But how much you can mm. sit through the parts that we might class as more boring to get to the parts that are more interesting. It is that documentary-style filmmaking that keeps you at a distance. It works at times. Like, I do think it's very clever. I've, I think it's a fascinating idea to be like, we're not going to tell the camera crew where you're going. So it feels more yeah. like Especially it. during that train sequence, if that was the case for that. Yeah, I wonder, can like, that have been the case for that? My God, because, mm. well, yeah, I suppose it would be. Because literally they wouldn't know when they're coming back out of the train, when they go back into the train, yeah. if they got another another plan for it. Yeah. It's, it's, it keeps that kind of um, air of, like, spontaneity. Yeah, it's like, oh god, what are they doing? What they're going to do now? Mm-hmm. Because you, because not even the cameraman knows what they're going to do either, so they can't place the camera in the right place. It almost feels like you should know that before you watch the film. 
you should like mm. they should feature that bit of information like just so you know the camera crew had no idea what was going to happen at any given moment because mm. then mm. you'd watch it and probably appreciate it on another level but i can't imagine revisiting this and to see if, if that is the case mm, yeah and mm. the there is an interesting thing with popeye by the way did you know you know Popeye's fast food chain in, yeah. is in America. Yeah. It's over here. It's based on him. That's really? where they got the name from. Really? Yeah, I can't remember how. Oh. I can't remember what exactly the connection was. Everyone assumes Popeye's is named for the cartoon character, but the honor actually goes to a fictional 70s detective found that Al Copeland named his place for Gene Hackman's character from the French Connection. Mm. Because he liked... Around the corner from my house. Because he liked the dude's style. Oh, no. Oh, God, that is not a good way of marketing your restaurant. That's <laughs> telling everyone what you are. Yeah, my God, you wear that shit on your sleeve, mate. The interesting thing about Hackman, right? We introduced to him as Santa Claus, and he has all these black kids around him, and he's kind of even whether it's an act or not, he's kind of quite fondly interacting with them, and then juxtaposed with that, just minutes later, he's racially abusing a black guy. Yeah. yeah, and I liked that contrast. They set it up immediately. It's like it makes you uncomfortable with him because it's like, oh, this person who has just said these things was just hanging around with all these kids, all these black kids. It sets him up as a very—he's uh, a flawed person, of course. But it's immediately you're like, oh, you've put me at arm's length. Mm-hmm. Mm. The success mm. of the film would have been, can you make me care? And be on yeah. his side. And I guess we are in the car chase. I guess you yeah, kind of in the car chase because of who he's after. You've seen this guy, he's just literally murdering, like, pedestrians. Yeah. So you're kind of, I think he, there's a bigger evil at stake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because, like, do you know you're you're following, like, um, Sal and Angie? It's like, they just look like a decent couple. It's not. I, you don't see anything malicious with them. Hey, Angie was but pretty got, fit. Mm, I liked yeah. his wife. She was, yeah, yeah, she was yeah. fairly gorgeous. It's so so when you're putting them both together with with Popeye, who's this this gross man, it's like, well, who am I supposed to who am I caring for in this situation? Mm. But when it's going with the, the bit where the guy's just shooting, it's like, okay, there's actually a, a bigger villain right now. Yeah. So maybe yes, in that situation, you are kind of rooting for him to catch up with this guy. Yeah. That whole situation <laughs> went on the train, right? He shoots one of the one of the officers on the pla- on the train. I might have said plane backs, and I felt like I did. Um, he shoots an officer on the train, mm. and then he goes to the front of the cab, the carriage, and basically takes one of the the um, the train. What do you call them? Train the conductor, it's not a train or driver, driver. Is it conduct? Is it a train driver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he takes him or hostage, or whatever and then another officer walks down the um, all the carriages with loads of pedestrians, saying, "Are you okay in there? Are you okay in there?" It's like there's a guy been shot. <laughs> <laughs> Have yeah. you forgotten all these people? You clearly should know what's going on. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that scene was fantastic as well. They should have just set the whole fucking thing on a train, man. That whole thing yeah, of him yeah. just missing that train, chasing him in the car, 
thinking he's going to stop at the next station and then the train blows through and him having to chase it again. It felt like something in Grand Theft Auto, like a, ta- a mission you'd yeah, have in yeah, Grand Theft yeah. Auto. Yeah. And then the thing is, what's interesting, right? It is a good shot when he shoots him on the stairs and the guy throws his hat, arms up and drops down. Why do they use that as like the promotional poster in loads of places? Like, that's a big fucking spoiler. Didn't they care about spoilers? Oh, yeah, that is what they use, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I actually thought that's how the film ended. In my memory, I thought it, it, it ended with that shot on on the stairs. But um, yeah, like it's to get people in, right? It's a big, it's a big action. That's it. Actual action bit, and wherever well, the most mostly it's a lot of slow stakeouts. They just want to get people in, probably. Yeah. I mean, if yeah, be fair. You can't really tell what oh, well, all the you can see him getting shot on the stairs as you're going up. Yeah. Yeah, because he's thrown, he's thrown his his hands in in the. And he zooms air. in. There's like five pictures of it as well. It's not even. Oh, just I'm like, look. I'm looking at it now as well. Yeah, on yeah. the letterboxed. Mm. The interesting thing, though, so I never knew that about um, the car chase. That kind of it's on a, a bit of a a knife's edge of what I think about that, right? Because it's kind of interesting. It's like wow, that this thing's actually real. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, as you say, it's highly irresponsible, man. Yeah, but that's what people, people were doing back then. You're putting people's lives at risk. That's what people were doing back then. You're just making films for fun of it. Like, it was. But, a... but you're normally putting actors' lives at risk. Yeah. Yeah. This is pe- just people on the streets. Members of the public, yeah. They... Like, it's like the facts, like this. I know they try and um, they do that in the film where the woman's crossing the road with the buggy. It's like you're going across junctions where there's red lights. Yeah. That is dangerous. You are literally yeah. taking the general public's life in your hands. I know. See, but Friedkin, he's a dark guy. You mm. can tell he has it in it. I admire him. I like his films, but he is a dark guy. And he's the, he, you know that in the 70s, he would be exactly that kind of fucking person. He'd be like, I don't give a shit. Let's make the picture. Make the film. We'll make the it's movie. be the best for the film. Yeah, whatever's the best. Like, there is something, I agree with you, it makes you feel two ways because there is something thrilling about... Him going, yeah, sure. we've got one take, one shot, that no was my permission. Instant, like reaction, yeah. as well. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the bus, they, they, there's a point where they uh, hit the bus as well. Clip the bus. That's in the film. Um, yeah, several collisions happened, but the worst of all was that one that's smashing into that car that was pulling out. Apparently, it was a guy just just got into his car, which they hadn't accounted for. This stunt driver was good at zipping around other cars that were already mm. on the road but they hadn't factored in someone just getting in their car and pulling out into the road which is what happened at that point when that smash yeah. happened yeah um it's not why it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the waking fright kind of debate it's like it's there's that there's a balance of it being quite cool for your film mm. and it, looking good but also what are the ramifications of this so what we're seeing here right is commitment like whether you agree with it or not back then a different style of filmmaking like what that shit wouldn't fly now you wouldn't be able to do it but there they could do a fucking full speed car chase in a built up city they could shoot down fucking kangaroos or at least film it with a documentary Mm. crew of an actual hunt you could cut up an actor's fucking eye rigging his head up to watch a cinema mm-hmm. screen in THX well I, I don't know they just all shave their heads <laughs> but still it's something 
And uh, in Jewel, I think Spielberg was probably the only uh, sensible one because even though that could have been very dangerous, clearly that was a very safe set. You just know it was. I don't think anything. Well, they was had the stunt that. driver jumping out just as the cliff. Oh going yeah, over the that's cliff. true. Fuck yeah. Mm. <laughs> they, they were, were so unregulated at the time, man. Like there was that new mm. wave of these directors coming through who were just mavericks and do what yeah. they wanted to do, and everyone was like, "Fuck yeah, this is exciting. This is better than." what we've been doing before there's actually some action happening here everyone got bored of it and then after a while people probably like maybe we shouldn't do this see the thing this is absolutely it yeah you're right it's these maverick new age directors coming and changing the game that made cinema fucking very exciting again because Mm. at the moment I told you boys before I'm in my watch list I watch one film from a decade from 50s upwards and then reset so that I get a nice spread and it is true 50s and 60s there was nothing like this and then something like this comes along at the time without all of the films that would subsequently follow this film without any of the subsequent films coming out absolutely stands the fuck up I think you're thrilled by it for all its slow pacing and stuff don't forget Hitchcock on the man underneath the Ferris wheel yeah no no, you're you're quite right Yeah, but he was also a bit of a maverick coming in and changing the game Mm. yeah yeah well I mean but that's an interesting there very interesting do you know what craft before people's lives (laughs) yeah I know but that's it it's just like (laughs) shoot the picture let's make the movie whatever's good Mm. for the fucking movie we're gonna do yeah it just wouldn't happen now it wouldn't it wouldn't I mean what what do we do in movies now do you think that in 30-40 years people will look back and be like I can't believe that they were doing that fucking Tom Cruise doing his own stunts Maybe. Maybe yeah, just letting a- stuntmen. Letting actors be their own stuntmen because mm. it, they're too hard to ensure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it makes it's, it makes for a better picture, doesn't it? I would have liked more of this film to have taken place in Marseille because it really made me want to go on holiday there. It didn't glamorise the place much, but it, it made mm. me think of European holidays in the 90s when I used to go away with family. I agree. When I started watching it, I was like, all right, so how do they get to France? Yeah. When do they get to France? Like, they start off working in America, but then somehow they get to France for some reason. Yeah. They never do. Never do. <laughs> never do. And also, why did they have to rope that TV star into it? And I don't understand I that. that. That seems like a lot more risky than yeah. just a random person. I, and so the... I was trying to understand. They bought. They what was the whole buying a, a like a impounded car for, or a scrap car? They wanted a car that that didn't really have any traces. I think because it because it was going to be scrapped. Oh, okay. It was something right, that right. wouldn't be missed or what have you. Right. See, didn't but didn't they get the car off the boat and then they sold it? No, didn't. No, they were at the auction place first, weren't they? I thought they were they were they got the car off of the boat, and then they sold it at auction. I'm pretty sure it happens that way. That's why I was like, so what is the plan here? I thought they they brought the car on a ship of like scrap cars, and then someone won the car in the auction. So it looks like so it was no it was not traceable. Yeah, right, right. So the car wasn't connected to anyone, and then they bought the car in the auction. Yeah. And then they could obviously drive it away with the drugs in. You're right. 
think. Yeah, yeah, because the drugs... Okay, this is what happened. Yes. Because then it wasn't connected to anyone, was it? So if it was on a car, like a, a scrap car on a boat that didn't belong to anyone, then there was no connection to anyone. Yes. That's right. I don't know why they would take them to America. <laughs> why didn't they sell them in France? The drugs were smuggled in the TV star's car. Right? Yes. That's how they got in. Yes. So they were already yes. in the car. Then they purchased a car, which they... Oh, fuck it. I can't, I can't work it out. I, they purchased another car to put... But the actor purchased the car. No, the the um, the French guy with the beard. It must have been because he was at the... He was at the um, getting it from the impound. Uh, listeners, kindly explain to us how the the order of events and why of the car auction please <laughs> kindly explain jason no advert please tell us i think it was all a bit jumbled for my for my knowledge it, they put the car on the boat which the actor came on so the drugs were obviously in his car that's that got him over mm-hmm. then they randomly bought a car whether that was the same car or not i don't know but mm. then that car also belonged to the actor because they picked it up from the impound. Yeah. And then the French man drove off in it with all the money in after, after they took the drugs out. Okay. Hit it in the rocker it panels. It seems all pretty risky to involve the actor either way. Yeah, it does. It does, it does. <laughs> Although I did like that Roy Scheider was the one who was like, there is a weight fucking difference between now yeah. and when it came over. And that's why they knew mm-hmm. that shit had to be in that car when they stripped it the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But are we to think... I checked everything but the rocker panels. Yes. Now, hang on a minute. Are we to... Wait, they then give the actor back his car. Yeah. H- how do they do that, considering that they fucking demolished that car? put it all back car? together. Yeah, but they punctured, <laughs> they punctured the tank underneath the car. Put it back together? Or did you put a new tank in I it? No. I think they must have been doing that for days. Yeah. It would have taken them ages. I don't think they did tap. They I don't think they did puncture it. I think they they took the screws off of the the oil tank. Oh, I thought he slammed a. I felt like he slammed a knife into it, like Michael Myers. They definitely slammed a, a knife into the rocker panels. I think that really it wasn't very realistic, considering the car got impounded and how long it was taking them taking all the car apart mm. and then put it all back together in pristine condition. And still the guys in the office going, where's my car? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Unless it was a different, unless it was like a time difference and they just overlaid it. Over Maybe they did. The Maybe they did. It just know. wasn't clear. They needed a little yeah. montage of them taking the car apart and putting it back together. Mm. Yeah. But they just wanted them to actually do the exchange so they can arrest them all. Yes. And then none of them ever do any time. I didn't realise it was actually based on the true story. Yeah. I kind of thought they just randomly added bits at the end saying, oh, they didn't get arrested. They didn't have yeah. to do jail time. No. True story. However, I don't think that all of it is true. Like, for example, the shooting of the guy on the stairs. Apparently the police who were like acting as advisors, people who worked with the real characters at the time, were like, he would never have shot someone in the back like that they weren't happy with that they're like he wouldn't have shot someone that was just running away 
we would we don't mm. shoot people in the back but we've now found out that the police do much worse things so you can't trust their, oh, yes. their version of events yes. um actually i'm sure they would have shot them in the back <laughs> yeah for sure the real guy um eddie egan who popeye's based mm. on he is actually in this movie as the police oh, captain it? The one who's chewing him out, saying, mm. people have died before because of you, or whatever it was, whatever he said. But that's the thing. Pop- it was an introspective role for him, like, talking about himself. People have died for you. Yes, exactly. How dare you do that? I did, i got to say, even though it wasn't the best of films, the ending made me sit up and be like, this is interesting. Because they literally, unheard of, really, to end the film yeah, with yeah. the good guy doing something bad and then just mm. running off into darkness and then a gunshot. Yeah. That's that's quite an intriguing ending. It is, in, is in, intriguing, but then I think it's better if it wasn't based on the true story. Yeah, but I don't think that... That's what I mean. I don't think that necessarily happened because if that did, surely this Eddie Egan would have been in jail. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think true. that is... Because it's based... It is based on a true story, but I feel like it's based on a true story in as much as that drug bust happened. Mm. I think, if anything, it kind of... That ending gives you the impression, well, this is what it was about all along. Like, the kind of... Yeah. The pursuit of, I'll do anything to get, get your I'll man. I'll do thing. anything for the law. It was the corruption of, of the, the law more than corruption of... Yeah. The citizens. Yeah. It was. Which is all right. It's all right. It's fine. Yeah. But it's, it's, I don't care. I don't care that much about the case. I didn't care about the people. I know. That's half the battle. Yeah. I know. And that is the thing. It is because we've just seen bad police in films subsequently, layered police. Back then, I don't think there was many examples of police not being heroic. So mm. it would have left a big impression. Whereas nowadays, yeah. you just look at him and go, yeah, he's a dickhead. Yeah, for sure. He's a dickhead sure. who doesn't even necessarily get his man. Although there mm. is a little bit of satisfaction after that guy waved at him as the train was pulling out at the end when he sees him and he just waves at him in response, you know? Yes, yes. That, see, that was the best sequence. That's the actual thing to take away from this film. Yeah. That and the, and the bit of the train sequence. Yeah. I mean, well, all the train sequences, basically. Anything involving a train. Anything involving a train. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And that car yeah. chase, wonderful, but in order to achieve that. Yeah, I know. It's a bit dodgy. I'm not sure about it. A bit dodgy, I William. Say, right. And I've got to say, is it an actual thing? that police in America go, I need to take your vehicle. Yeah, I always thought exactly that. It's like, I thought it was just a movie trope, not an... It's like, imagine that happened to you. I know. Like, How do I get my car back? That's what the guy says. He smashes your car <laughs> up. He just smashes it. Yeah. I know. And then what do you do? What, do I have to... Are you going to pay for my car? I know. You're going to get me one instantly, like... <laughs> and like, what if you've got stuff in the boot of your car and all sorts? Like, do the police force... Co- and like, it's so much hassle. And then he's going to... And then what? He's going to... Leave your car on the side of the road, run off for the criminal, and then who who knows that he took my car? Do the police <laughs> yeah. have a record of that? Right, let me go. He gets shot and dies. Yeah, exactly. Who knew that he took? Yeah, look on the CCTV. Yeah, back then you really have some good CCTV. <laughs> uh, can police really commandeer your vehicle? The answer is, yeah, 
Yes. And in the UK. Is it just in America and in the UK? Canada, America, UK. Oh, God, man, imagine. You can, they, but they have to wave their badge. And be like, you'll never get your car back. I'm going to smash it up. Yeah. Do you, what, if, what if you had a baby in your car? They'd, they'd <laughs> smash the baby out. They would <laughs> just, just smash it out. out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Terrible stuff. Yeah. Terrible work by the police. How dare you take my car? I think I think for me this is probably one of my least favourite William Freakin films. Uh, he's done some real good stuff. Uh, uh, and Bug. Okay. He's a very good director. Uh, mm. Actually, mm. no, he did Jade. <laughs> oh no, he did The Hunted as well. Yeah, no, he's done some bad stuff. He has done some bad stuff. <laughs> I think it's because he's such a maverick. You sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, he did the uh, Twelve Angry Men remake. Which I've only seen five freaking films, and this is the worst. Uh, I don't know how many I've seen. Well, you've seen The Exorcist, you've seen Sorcerer, you've seen Bug. Have you seen Killer Joe? Uh, no. You should watch that, that's good. Yeah. Sucking suck a chicken. <laughs> I've a seen chicken drumstick. Well. <laughs> I've seen The Exorcist. I think Cruising is the other one. No, I haven't seen Cruising. What's that one then? Bug. There's this um, documentary that Freakin did a few years ago called The Devil and Father and Morph. And it's about him attending a supposed real exorcism in in Italy. Oh, shit. And documenting it. I've seen it. It's not not really a spoiler to basically say, obviously, there Mm. comes a point where he is invited to a church by a priest towards the end of the documentary and the priest says to him you can come in here but you can't bring your cameras and then Friedkin comes up on camera and he's like when I went into the church the priest was basically he says that he sees spirits and everything in the church he's like how convenient that you can take your camera in for that moment (laughs) it's like you're a documentary maker you're a film director don't bullshit us don't think we're stupid, man. <laughs> How convenient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I think that's that film. I, I haven't got anything else to say. I ain't got anything else to say. I appreciate it being uh, brought up. As always, we have good discussions yeah. about these things. Um, just wasn't What's a big hit for, for any of us, I don't think. Mm. What's the scores yeah. on the doors then? Okay. Um, my score actually hasn't changed. I still feel the same about it. It's a 7 out of 10. Oh, 7. Yeah. Yeah, I'm keeping this as a seven, but it's a low seven. Uh, that's mm. that's interesting. I'm I'm dropping it from an eight to a six. Okay, Ooh, yeah, wow. I can see that. Though. I can see that. Yeah, I just got I got enough enjoyment out of like the train sequence and the yeah yeah that it gets the seven for me. All right, well that averages out as a six point six six, which rounds up to six point seven. So we got a place and it. then and then. Nerdrevert's nine out of ten. Oh, okay. Nerdrevert coming in the mix and changing things up. So with Nerdrevert's nine, that brings it up to seven point two five. So it's doing okay. So it's going to go to battle with these other films, which have all had guest inputs in the past. So first and foremost, Manhattan Murder Mystery. Um, I Manhattan Murder Mystery for me. Yep, same. I think there we go. Then that's it. Stopped. That's it. <laughs> Bottom of the seven point two five. What would you have said, Adam? 
I think this is better than that. There you go. Mm. There you go. Well, yeah, I don't think you like that, did you? What did you give Manhattan? Not really. Mystery? We both gave it an eight. Min. Mm, did you really give it? Uh, no, Woody you gave Allen. it a seven. Is it Woody Allen? He gave it a five. Yeah. Wow, wow, we were. Yeah, you definitely like more. Yeah. So that means above it is Manhattan Murder Mystery, and below it is a Serbian film, which is also better than this film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cheers thanks for that nerd vert. we got any people's takes we haven't I, I just forgot to do it well then this is how we wrap up the episode because boys it's the end of 1971 yes. yeah we're at the end we've done five fucking films and let's go with scene of 1971 Paul you can begin Best scene of 1971. Okay, well, I like to uh, tie it to some kind of theme that we've been seeing in all these films. And it's also just a great scene anyway. And it is the theme of toxic men. Yeah. And I think there's men no... Men struggling with sexuality, yeah. masculinity. Mm-hmm. Waking fright. There's no, there's no... There's no even... Yeah, describe what, what toxic about that film. Uh, we've got Clockwork Orange, ne- once again, down mm-hmm. to describe anything about that. Jewel, that, that truck driver, down to describe about that. Yep. French Connection, down to describe about that. It's true. THX, that fucking plunger scene, mate. You fucking toxic <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> Everyone has their needs. Mate, the plunger has two uses. After it's service to the man, oh, it services this... the woman with the other end. Oh, oh, there you go. There you go. No, it's not well. me. George Lucas, your Star Wars boy, came up with it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, no, told, he, he he created that scene. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, the actual scene is uh, just showing all these toxic males in in their environment. Is the opening the milk bar scene from Clockwork Orange just perfect and beautiful mm. with, all, with the music, just the setup, just everything. Wonderful stuff. That's a very good one. Again, I might have. To, I, th- I was going to say the singing in the rain scene. That's get awful. But it <laughs> Your favourite scene. Describe. <laughs> it just describes. I think maybe the opening scene again, where they they're only in it. They're trying to they save the woman, but they're only in it because they want to beat people up. They're not actually in it to save her. Yeah, and and they're throwing each other around on this. Yeah, <laughs> throwing each other into chairs and stuff. Quite fun. Well, there you go. Well, I'm not going to pick anything particular about toxic masculinity. This is kind of more about all of these films were kind of unique and weird and experimental in their own ways, trying to do new things, different things, and presenting things to yeah, audiences sure. which they wouldn't be accustomed to seeing. I'm actually going to say the scene from Waking Fright where they're playing that unusual game with the, yeah, the yeah, coin on the sure. card that they throw up into the air that lands because that whole set piece that goes on for about five to ten minutes intermittently is very intriguing because it shows... Well, we already talked about it, but it shows how that community engages with each other, how an outsider comes into it, gets embroiled in it. So madcap, the energy of it represents the whole fucking year mm. for me. It's almost um, like otherworldly when you've been brought into that, like, what is going on? Yes. But then you kind of get transfixed. With, yeah, like, something so trying simple. Trying to figure out what the rules and... <laughs> yeah, fascinating. We should play sometime. Yeah, we should. Uh, best character, Paul? Uh... Alex's parole officer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by the prison sergeant, the very enthusiastic prison sergeant from Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange sweeping the boards for you. Yeah, it is. Good calls, Adam. Mm. His character. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying mm. to think. <laughs> He's so sleepy. <laughs> I'm not sleepy, I'm just thinking. Oh. You go first, Ben. Uh, well, I'm, well, I'm saying Alex. It has to be, for me, it's Alex. I wanted to say Alex, but I just don't want to say Alex because 
But then I can't think of... I'm trying to split it across different films for each category, but Alex has to take it best character for me. I'll take the tr- I'm going to take the truck from Jewel. <laughs> oh, that's a character. It's a character. What's his name? The truck. The truck. Flammable. Played by... <laughs> I guess it is the called truck. Flammable, isn't it? That's true. Flammable. Okay. Good one. Good one. <laughs> Good one. Uh, and best quote or quote that represents the era, I guess. Um, uh, Not necessarily represents the era, but just... Every slang from a Clockwork Orange, notably, McGlazzy's, McGlazz balls. <laughs> the uh, Clockwork Orange I was f- is, yeah, there's I was loads. free, I was free. <laughs> what, is that your one? I was cured all right. I was cured all right, yeah. Is that your one? Oh, a good one, nice. Yeah, I'll say that. Well, mine is, we didn't even talk about it in the episode, but I've been saying it a lot in the last 24 hours. I know, I'm about to say you're going to go for this one. Yes, it's oh, yeah. French Connection, <laughs> you ever pick your feet in Poughkeepsie. Because it was one of the few things that I even remembered about this film, having seen it before, because I thought, what a strange image and strange thing to ask. But apparently this Mm. guy would ask suspects that to throw them off lines of questioning. So when he was saying, you you broke in there, didn't you? You you stole those jewels. You did that. Do you ever pick your feet in Poughkeepsie? It would throw them off because everyone was like, what? So that when they then got normal Mm. questions again, they were more likely to answer. Mm. Well, it kind of works yeah. because I also felt that way watching it. It's <laughs> so a, I was like, "What is he talking about?" I know, but it's a horrible idea because he's like, "You ever sit on the edge of a bed, take your shoes off, take your sock off, and stick your finger between your toes and pick it?" It's like, "What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> it's a horrible image and a horrible thing, but it stayed with me all these years, so it's got to be the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Nineteen seventy-one. You were a fucking good year. You're a good year, yeah, yeah, for sure. Arguably thanks the best for, year um, we've done. Yeah, thanks to Jamie and for Nerdrovert for picking some films. Yeah, man. Throwing them among the pigeons. Yeah, man. What year do we go to next? Well, the next year we're actually going to, this will be after we um, actually come back from our little break, which we're coming up. If, if uh, you guys didn't know, we've got a little break coming up where I'm having a baby and these two are going to Glastonbury. Yes, we're going to get the patrons to pick a film that stars a baby or is based around a baby and then another set of films that is based around music. That's right. That's right, And we're going to do one on each before we go away for a break. So we're not going to start a new year because we'll just end up stopping. It's better to do it in one go. Exactly. Um, Yes. So their patrons are going to pick their films and then it's going to go onto Twitter. Our Twitter is going to vote for the patrons' film that they want us to cover. But... But just for a little teaser, after we come back from our little jaunt, we will be covering the year of 1960. Way! What film are we doing? Well, we'll tell everyone on our return. At the end of our next two films, we'll tell, we'll tell them what it is. And we are doing 1960. 1960, brought to us by the wonderful For Your Reference podcast. Oh, yes. Ooh. Oh, yes. Didn't they pick, like, 2021 last time? They did 2019. Uh, what did... 2019 was quite, quite yeah. the jump, jump backwards now. Yeah. Mm, mm, for sure. I like it. I like that we're doing pre... I like that we're doing 20th century films. Yeah, for sure. It's fun. Wonderful. Great stuff. Wonderful. Well, I look well, forward we'll to see this, you on this baby and music yeah. film. 
this secret film's coming up, so keep your yes. eyes peeled for a, a nice little Twitter poll. Yeah. Last time we did a Twitter poll, we ended up with Sorcerer, so... Yeah. So, good. Excellent. Well, we better get asking those patrons for suggestions, right? Yes, we yes, better do we that. Need to, yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget to pick your feet in Poughkeepsie. In Poughkeepsie? Yes. Poughkeepsie? Pick your feet in Poughkeepsie. Wherever Poughkeepsie. Is that a place? I think so, yeah. Okay, right. We'll just do that, guys. Just or do don't. that. don't. Sounds gross. Yeah. Stop picking your feet. 